there's a common thread with successful individuals. They've worked hard, but they've also made hundreds, if not thousands of mistakes. What if you could learn from their mistakes without any consequences? What if you could hear from talented individuals who have achieved great success in their given field? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to shorten your learning curve, learn from the best, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and today we're going to talk about youth training. Now, I have been lucky enough to be working with youth athletes over the last, gosh, 10, 15 years, and over time, my approach has drastically changed. Um, Early on, I was that guy that tried to train youth athletes like many adults, right? I would actually try to put together these super highly technical programs. And uh, I never knew at the time why it didn't work. But luckily enough, I've, uh, I've learned over the years. So we're going we're gonna to dive in a little bit um, and talk about youth training and the do's and don'ts, etc. Um, before I dive in, um, I got to put this out there. When it comes to youth training and long-term athletic development, my go-to coach is a guy by the name of Jeremy Frisch. He's out in, I believe, Hudson, Massachusetts. Jeremy, great coach. Um, but when it comes to working with athletes, that is where I get a lot of my information from. So if you are looking to work with youth athletes, definitely look uh, Jeremy up, Jeremy Frisch, and uh, Achieve Performance. Um, highly recommend it. So I grew up in a neighborhood where we had 15, 20 kids and we were outside every day. It was a big oval shaped neighborhood and we were outside doing stuff every day, whether it was riding our bikes, playing hockey with the old saw horses, whether it was playing manhunt, capture the flag, um, going in the woods with our bikes, you know, packing, packing our backpacks and going on hikes in the woods or getting in fights, playing every sport imaginable. And I was lucky enough to grow up in a neighborhood where that was just the norm. We were outside every single day and we found things to do. There wasn't social media. There really wasn't a ton of electronics. Yeah, there was Nintendo and that was more of a treat, but we were outside doing stuff. And I remember just roaming around the neighborhood with my buddies and, you know, just literally just like jumping over streams and jumping on rocks and literally jumping off of sheds and seeing who could climb up to the highest branch and then land and and not get injured. Um, And then just doing a bunch of random things, literally playing every sport you can think of, whether it's soccer, basketball, um, football, long toss in the driveway, uh, you name it. But we we were constantly active. And at the time, I didn't realize that I was really building a nice platform for a halfway decent athletic career. I just went out there and had some fun and as a hyperactive uh, young kid, I needed to be outside. I needed to be stimulated and I needed to be moving around. Um, ask anybody that knew me growing up, I was, uh, I was a handful. Um, and I knew I was a handful, but luckily I was able to find sports and, and do outdoor activities, which allowed me to you know, get some of that energy out. But you know, these days it's, it's just a little different. And I don't want to be that guy that's, you know, talking about the good old days, etc. But growing up is just different now. Um, school's different. Sports are different. Um, 
with the introduction of electronics, which, which people can't seem to live without. Um, it's just different now and kids aren't outside and participating in unstructured play, right? They're not just going out and making things up, right? They're not just going out and experiencing the outdoor landscape or they're not uh, just literally when we were bored growing up, we would just go find things to do. And usually it was outdoors because our parents would say, hey, like, I don't want you in here. Get outside. And we would just go find things to do. So when we were bored, we just didn't complain. I'm sure we complained, actually. But we didn't have social media or TikTok or any of that stuff. So we just had to do stuff. So we'd just go outside and play. And, um, you know, it was a it was an amazing neighborhood to grow up with. But I look back at it and I'm like, man, like that was really special from an overall development standpoint because you know we had this group of 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 guys and and gals as well that we were just every day doing different things and i think the constant exposure to various tasks and and various environments is one of the reasons why at least for me i really do think it 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 one made a huge impact on my athletic career but also i think it kept me sane because uh, i wasn't that kid that could sit down and study and read and um, read a book, etc. I just didn't function that way. Um, but, you know, these days, kids don't have as much unstructured play. And um, when they're bored, they go to their iPads, or they watch a television show, or they go on YouTube, right? When, when we were bored, we would just go outside and our parents were like, don't come in until it's, you know, dark out. But I think the first key that we need to really consider when it comes to training, quote unquote, training for for youth is just unstructured playtime. You don't need to put parameters on everything, right? Everybody wants to make this game up and make it comp- you know, competitive and put a competition. And trust me, I love those things. But sometimes kids need to just go outside without any agenda, without any coach, without any parental supervision, and just go figure it out. Are they going to get scraped up? Yes. Are they going to get you know tweaks and twinges or potentially injured? Yes. But you know what? That's okay because that's how they learn, right? Kids are going to be fine. Let them get dirty. Let them get scraped up. Let them wrestle. Let the brothers beat the crap out of each other. Let the sisters beat the crap out of each other and just let it happen. But I really do believe we need more more unstructured play in general because I think that it allows kids to be creative. It allows kids to learn about their bodies. And I think it's a, a really nice outlet. So... These days, um, kids don't have that. And everything is, you need a coach for this. You know, and listen, we're a gym. We make money off of working with youth athletes. And we're going to talk about how we do things. But, you know, your 10-year-old doesn't need a speed coach. They don't need a pitching coach. They don't need um, a sports psychologist, right? Maybe they just need to get outside and figure it out or put them in scenarios where they actually learn how to problem solve. So I think that... Again, I'm going to hammer home the point of, of unstructured play and just letting the environment and letting the experience be the teacher and not putting these uh, structured, hard and fast parameters on, on learning and development. But kids need to experience different environments. They need to experience different sports and different, different situations. And that's why you'll hear a lot of college recruits and and even a lot of old school coaches say, you know, I'm looking for the athletes that played three to four sports because I know that 
if they played three to four sports, they're probably going to be more athletic in general, and they're probably going to be a lot more durable and a lot more resilient because each sport has a different set of skill sets, has different tasks, has different um, variables and needs. So when you get exposed to multiple sports, you just learn differently. You learn how to react. You learn to move your body very, very differently, and you learn to problem solve on the fly. So that's the that's one thing that I would highly recommend is get out there and uh, you know get exposed to different sports. And the first thing someone's going to say to me is, well, if my kid takes a year off from club soccer or club hockey or lacrosse, he's going to be behind. And that is a very short-sighted way to approach development because, listen, at the age of 9 and 10, there are no predictors if whether or not your kid is going to get a college scholarship or sign a pro contract at that time. So if your child needs to you know, take some time off of whatever club sport to do something else, you should welcome it because really in the end, you want a healthy, resilient, durable, problem-solving young athlete. And the second we throw kids into this early specialization, they don't get exposure to all of these other situations and variables and skill sets. And that's just not good. We want to get them as exposed to as many environments and as many situations possible as possible. And that's why I, I'm not a huge fan of early specialization. And so listen, I'm going to tell you right now, regardless of what these club coaches tell you, you don't have to play the same sport all year round to be successful in that sport. Now, don't get me wrong, at a certain point down the road, yes, you may end up sliding towards one sport or another, but that doesn't mean that you need to you know, pick at a very, very young age, especially if they're like in eighth or ninth grade. That's just, it's absolutely bananas. So um, that's, that's what I want you to kind of think about long-term um, as far as development for your kids. Um, that's the way to do it, in my opinion, and... The research is, is going to show that that's the way to do it. So also, we got to think about burnout. Um, I played club soccer, and, and gosh, I don't remember how old I was. I would imagine I started doing Olympic development program when I was probably 12 or 13. And um, we also had like a, it was called the Nickel League in Massachusetts. And, and me and a few of my, my teammates I grew up with were lucky enough to be some of the first people to do club soccer. And it was a blast and we learned a lot, um, but we didn't really, we weren't thinking about early specialization. We just knew that, hey, there was this opportunity. And if you were playing anything above club soccer, you were, you were pretty darn good. Like club soccer was for the, the better athletes. Um, you know, these days it's, it's, it's quite different, but um, you know, that, that is something that growing up, I, I knew it was cool. Like I knew that we had these opportunities, but I was still playing a, a bazillion other sports, right? So it's um it's just a very different environment these days. But um, I encourage you, whoever's listening, to don't be short-sighted with your decision making when it comes to your kids' development because it doesn't matter. Um, even watching my my youngest son, actually my oldest son rather, play different sports. Um, you know, he started off playing lacrosse really early on, and, and I, I didn't play lacrosse, so I was fairly useless on trying to teach him the skills, et cetera. And luckily, we've got a bunch of great coaches in town that were able to help him. But he's um he's a stubborn little guy, and he wanted to get better, so he was outside practicing and cradling and using his rebounder. And it's pretty cool to see that he just went out there and practiced. And then, you know, this year with Corona, we didn't have a ton of lacrosse practices, but 
it's pretty cool um, when one of the coaches saying, hey, man, Connor is looking phenomenal. Like, what's he been doing? I'm like, he's just been practicing. I'm like, he just gets out there and he's his stubbornness is his superpower. And um, he's, he's persistent and he sees that, hey, if I put the work in, I'll get better. But also I will get recognized by my coaches um, that I'm getting better. And that's just a beautiful thing. So um, looking at the development of my own kids has, has made me um, more aware of how I should act as a, as a parent and as a coach. Because listen, as a parent, you don't want your kid to be the worst kid on the team or one of the worst kids on the team, right? It's heartbreaking and they know it and it stinks, but you have to bite your tongue. You have to just hold back and say, hey, listen, let them figure it out. Let them experience the frustration. Let them experience what it's like to fail. And eventually they'll learn from it. And and it sucks, man. It sucks as a parent because you don't want to see your kid go through that. But at the same time, you have to understand that it's probably one of the best learning experiences they can ever have. So, you know, fast forward to running youth programs with uh, elementary school, middle school, high school athletes, and even, you know, club soccer. What are, what are some of the things I want to focus on? Well, first of all, I want to expose them to as many different environments as possible without anything whatsoever related to the sport that they love or that they choose. So if they're a soccer player and they're 10, they're going to do the same thing as a lacrosse player or a baseball player, or a tennis player. They all need to focus on that long-term athletic development. They need to be exposed to various scenarios and various situations. Um, and, and that's what we really focus on. So what does this look like in an actual program? I'll tell you right now, I don't write programs for... Um, I don't write programs for elementary school kids and I don't write programs for middle school kids with the exception that some middle school kids do develop faster and they are ready for formal strength training. But those are a little bit more of the outliers, maybe, you know, the ones that are in eighth grade or just matured much, much faster. But I don't write programs for, for the younger kids. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the second you put parameters on something, you leave out the time for fun and experience. So what do we focus on? Um, Hand-eye coordination, running, catching, throwing, running, catching different objects, catching with one hand, catching with the other, catching a tennis ball, catching a football, catching a soccer ball. Let them learn to use their hands. I hate to say it, but uh, I've seen a lot of young, you know, club soccer players that cannot, literally they can't throw a baseball or they can't throw a football. It looks completely foreign to them, right? That's a skill set they should have. They should learn how to throw. But we want to focus on hand-eye coordination, and there's a bazillion different ways to do that. But ask them to throw, ask them to catch, and have them use a bunch of different types of balls, right? That's one. That's going to help with their hand-eye coordination. They don't need a vision chart, and they don't need a bunch of other things, right? Um, also, when it comes to you know agility work, right? I mean, you can set up rings, and you can set up ladders, but one of the best ways to have an athlete... Um, improve their agility is put them in a scenario where they have to move and dodge things. Um, there's, we've done uh, scenarios where you've got, you know, two to three kids in a line and there's a strength coach on each side with like stability balls and we just roll the balls back and forth and they have to just dodge the balls. That's it. They're trying to not get hit. That's agility training for young athletes. And you can do it with Swiss balls. You can do it with um, like the gator balls. You can do whatever, but that's, that's agility training. And I would argue that style of training it's actually good for just about everybody. And I'm talking about high school and collegiate athletes, right? Because they need to 
they need to respond to some sort of stimulus. And if it's rehearsed, they know what's happening. So they're not gonna actually develop true agility, right? So that's another way that you can really focus on you know, improving agility for kids, right? So let's look at some other boxes. How do I get my kid faster, right? This is one that I see all the time and I, and I hate to say it, but I see these coaches, I know they're trying to make a quick buck, but they go out there and they've got parachutes on the 10 year old, right? And they've got all of these different bungee cords and overspeed training and high speed treadmills and, and guys, that's rubbish. That's a waste of time. I'm gonna tell you right now, here's the easiest way to make kids faster. Put them in an environment where they have to compete. One of the things we do at our gym, Skill of Strength, is we'll put them on a line and then we have these, uh, I don't want to call them a cone, but they basically are like a, a little base with a vertical dowel that's about four feet high. So I guess it's a cone or a marker, whatever you want to call it. We put them in a line, we say go, and then the first one that knocks, the, knocks it over wins. We get them back in line and we just do a bunch of repeats. No one wants to lose, right? No one wants to lose. So what do they do? They get fired up and they put all of their effort in and they compete against one another. And honestly, that's, that's really the key, one of the key components of speed training. Put them in an environment where they can learn and let them go, right? And, and here's the beauty of it. If you want to, you can put them in various start positions or start them off doing different tasks, right? They could start on their belly. They could start on their back. They could start on one knee, two knees, etc. But again, you want to get them faster, put them in two lines, have them compete. It's as simple as that. Have them do it over and over again. Don't worry about HRV. Don't worry about work to rest ratio. Just get them out there and, and let them compete. Grabbing a little sip of my coffee here. Um, strength training. Let's talk about strength training. How to improve strength of young athletes. Um, honestly, get them on. Uh, get them on anything where they can hang. Monkey bars. Um, playgrounds. Honestly, get put them on the playground put them on the playground and just let them go. Um, if you have uh, a playground near you, I highly recommend just let them go with COVID. I know things are a little crazy. Um, but run, you know, having them just jump or hang is going to be one of the best ways to improve their upper body strength, right? Yes, I know they're just playing, but as strength coaches, everybody wants to, you know, program for a specific thing. But then you can do a bunch of different exercises like bear crawls and crab walks and, um, you know, bear crawls up and around objects, etc. Those are one of the best ways to improve upper body strength. It's just a bunch of different crawling variations. You pair that with some hanging. It's good, man. They're going to get pretty darn strong, right? And 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 again, you don't you don't have to coach. You don't have to put a ton of technique in. You just have to make sure that they're not going to get hurt, and then you can go from there. And um, as far as some of the other modalities uh, or, or things we want to improve upon, I would argue that if they need to condition, um, you know, games like uh, like manhunt are pretty awesome, or even like speedball, where you've got two teams and you just basically try to throw the ball in some sort of goal, etc. Where they're running, they're jumping, they're changing direction. Honestly, I think the best conditioning for young athletes is just games. It's just simple games where they can run and they have space to run and compete. Um, if you don't have a gym to do that, you know, uh, I completely get it. But, you know, if, if you have decent weather, put them in the backyard and, and literally create a game. You could literally get, I'm not kidding, you could get two trash barrels, put them on each side, get a football, and teams of two, you got to throw, and uh, you got to get the football in the, uh, in the barrel. 
You can do two hand touch, cool. You can do one hand touch, cool. You can put old socks in their shorts. So if someone grabs a sock, they're dead, whatever. Or let them tackle each other if you want, if you're up for that, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but there's a game for you, right? What is it called? I don't know, but who cares? They're gonna, they're gonna be active, they're gonna have fun and they're gonna, they're gonna burn some calories and improve their conditioning. So I think overall, what we need to understand is that kids are not miniature adults and they don't respond that way and they shouldn't be trained that way. Let them, let them learn. Let, put them in environments where they, they can create something or they can use problem solving but in a physical cognitive way, right? So the key is not to create this beautiful program that looks great on paper and we're gonna make your kid faster. Just put them in scenarios where they can learn and have fun and experience different movements and problem solving. And they will eventually improve their overall athleticism and, and that will set a beautiful foundation for long-term athletic development. Um, and then if you do get to the point where they are ready for formal strength training, then you can start thinking about actually putting together a smart, comprehensive training program um, but remember the kids, they still need coaching and they still need the basics. Don't try to make it, uh, uber confusing for these kids because the attention span may not be there. So start with a few things and, and get them decent at a few things. You know, maybe you say today with this, maybe you get an older middle school athlete, right? And they're ready to start learning some strength training. Maybe the beginning of your training session is just focusing on a squat and a push up, right? And that's it. There's the only two formal strength training things you work on. And then the rest of the classes play. And then on another day, maybe they learn how to deadlift or lunge or do a pull-up. And then the rest is organized play. So that's how you can slowly integrate quote-unquote formal strength training into, uh, into the training program. So I think the takeaways here are let them be kids. Let them play. Don't put all of these crazy concrete structures around your kids. Let them experience uh, the environment, put them outside, let them get dirty, let them wrestle, let them rough house, let them fall down, let them get scraped up. They're going to learn from that. So there's my take on working with young athletes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey there, it's your host, Mike Perry from the minimum effective dose podcast. I just wanted to take a few minutes to say thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate your support. If you do like the podcast, do me a huge favor and subscribe, but also share this with your friends, colleagues, and family. Have an awesome day.